Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast, where we cover the people, technology, and finance behind the world's communications networks. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor at Light Reading. I'm here with Ray Lemaitre. I'm an editor at Light Reading. You are! And guess what? We are at the uh, we are inside the nurturing biosphere of the mothership, uh, the Informa <laughs> headquarters in New York City on 3rd Avenue, somewhere on 3rd Avenue. Um, Pretty close to the Chrysler building. Yeah, we're in the, in, the, in the long shadow of the Chrysler building. We've got um, three topics to cover today before happy hour, or I'm sorry, deadline. Um, and uh, the first topic, we're, we're going to talk about uh, Verizon's mobile 5G launch. We're going to talk about a new hire from uh, Amazon, a new hire by Amazon. And, uh, and the over-the-top streaming business just gets crazier and crazier. Mm. Things, are, uh, things are happening there. Uh, so, first up, uh, let's talk about uh, the mobile 5G network. Verizon launched its uh, network this week in parts of uh, Minneapolis and Chicago. A little um, bit earlier than expected? Yeah, almost a week earlier than they had initially uh, planned. And the timing of that was always kind of, they, they left it kind of open. Uh, we were trying to be there in the city on the day that they launched, and it was very hard to pin them down. So. Probably a bit of, uh, uh, you know, uh, probably that's not surprising because it's obviously a complex project. But uh, um, it, according to Mike Dano's story, um, they said customers should expect typical download speeds of 450 megabits per second, peak speeds of nearly a gigabit per second, and latency of less than 30 milliseconds. I don't know that many customers will actually measure latency in milliseconds <laughs> like uh, all of us telco heads. But I mean, what do you think is the uh, you know the implication here? This is just the first of probably a whole barrage of small city s- small announcements about parts of cities that have been turned on. Yeah, um, and it's it it is kind of a in a way it's like a marketing race to to be first with something. Yeah, um, I guess. The uh, one question might be: Is it worth announcing this and making this service available when the choice for the consumer is one handset? Right. And uh, Mike, when he told us about the story, mentioned there was only one handset, and of course I said, "That's not going to go share very far between the people in those cities." But right. uh, of course, it's 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 one. There's only one device that is currently... <laughs> Can I borrow the handset, <laughs> please? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, if you, you literally have the choice of, of just buying one device. There is no choice in devices. And it just seems, well, well who, who is going to do that? What yeah. impact is it going to make? But I guess somebody will. Uh, so it's just kind of it's it's a marketing and PR exercise. Yeah, isn't it? people that want to be on the bleeding edge are going to be proud to tote their handset and show people their speeds and feeds and all that sort of uh, thing. Maybe that guy in the bar that was sitting next to us last night. I don't know. <laughs> he was quite a braggart. <laughs> <laughs> he was a he was a, a very proud uh, middle class up and coming young man, and he was uh, very enamored with his own salary. <laughs> he kept saying it out loud. It was yeah. very upsetting. Um, <laughs> But uh, the thing about the mobile 5G launch, it, yeah, the, what I'm anticipating is that, that every carrier is going to launch some part of some city, and it's going to, you know, they're going to say, it's now live in Chicago, but it's not all Chicago. It's just going to be a few streets at a time, yeah. a, few, a few few neighborhoods at a time at best. Like you said, the handset choices are going to be abysmal for the uh, foreseeable future. And... On top of all that, I don't know that there's really much for the consumer to look forward to, um, or even you know business users right away. 
um, eventually we'll have some 5G applications that are worthy of note, particularly in the industrial IoT space and things of that sort. But eh, right now it's just a, um, just a who's first and, and really just people sh showing up and, um, you know, Verizon and AT&T and the others saying that, hey, yeah, this really does work. Mm. Yep. I would say that's pretty much about it. All right. Well, uh, we'll have to go to Minneapolis or Chicago and borrow the handset and test it out for ourselves. So we'll, uh, we'll probably send Dano over to do that. And I just realized that Minneapolis and Chicago, I'm not from the Midwest, but apparently they are two completely different cities. So that's, that's interesting as well. That sounds like that too. That'll upset a lot of people in both <laughs> cities, and I'm very happy about that. Um, all right, second story. Let's, uh, so AWS has hired, uh, uh, oh boy, uh, Tetsu Tetsuya Nakamura. Exactly. Um, that's what I was thinking. Uh, so uh, Mr. Nakamura led Cable Lab's open source uh, research efforts on NFB and SDN. He's a noted expert in the space. Um, and he's not going to be taping and shipping boxes at AWS uh, like everybody else at Amazon. <laughs> what's, uh, uh, what's, what's behind the hiring there? So, I mean, he has uh, his most recent time has been at Cable Labs, but going back over the years, uh, he was involved in developing the NFE strategy uh, for the virtualization of the mobile network at NTT Docomo. Right. He's been involved in various... Uh, industry body developments uh, around um, uh, SDN controllers and um, developing uh, NFE specifications uh, and use cases at Etsy. So he is he has kind of been through this, you know, I guess the this era of the cloudification or you know the the plans to cloudify and virtualize uh, networks, and now he's at AWS, and uh, you know it's kind of like. Well, is that a surprise move? Well, it might be, uh, I, I guess it might be for some, but it does make total sense because we are now moving to that stage where, um, you know, where we are going to end up communications networks will become cloud platforms. Right. Uh, AWS, Azure, and Google, and everybody else, Alibaba, Oracle, you know, IBM, et cetera, et cetera, they all recognize the opportunities, but AWS and Azure and Google uh, in particular have been pushing this pretty hard. AWS already has a team of a couple of hundred people that are focused on delivering the needs of the telecom community on the AWS platform. And of course we are now at the, we're at the sort of the, the pre-edge stage. And, um, you know, as more companies start to use a platform, a public cloud platform like AWS to host their VNFs, then the experience is gained. And then, right, how, what, what happens if we put that on a distributed cloud platform? What are the different requirements? How is that going to work? And if you're going to do that and somebody, you need somebody who can talk the same language mm -hmm. as the operators and the vendors. And, of course, somebody who's been embroiled in that in that process all the way from the, the, the uh, you know, for, for more than a decade yeah. is going to know the history, the vernacular, the developments, and, and be able to talk the same language. And that's going to be invaluable not only for AWS, but also for the companies that want to engage with AWS to use it as a platform, as a service delivery platform, effectively. Yeah, and also just knowing the uh, interdependencies in, and complexities of virtualizing communications applications, anything yeah. of a real-time nature that has to be uh, uh, virtualized and put onto commodity hardware hosted in the cloud. Yeah. Um, definitely 
uh, definitely good for Amazon for finding someone who's um, been, in, you know, like you said, embroiled in this stuff in the very since the very beginning. Yeah. So I think it's a great move for everybody except for cable labs. Yeah. Because uh, just as, as uh, Mr. Nakamura left, so did Mr. Clark, Don Clark. Right. Um, so that's two people who and, – and cable is, is kind of just getting into its groove in terms of the, the shift towards virtualization. And, you know, people are an important factor in this. So that's, that's, a, that's a bit of a, a kick in the cojones yeah. for cable labs. <laughs> Virtual cojones. Uh, vi virtual cojones, <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're, uh, um, we're not talking about real ones. Um, the uh, uh, interesting thing, too, is that it, it, just, it, it just proves that Amazon's really serious about becoming the uh, um, not just a competitor in some instances, but really a business partner to um, communication service. Any way they can make money. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to they're gonna do uh, both, and they're going to they're gonna do it all. Yeah. Okay, uh, we're going to go on, uh, take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, Disney, Disney Plus, uh, T-Mobile, and over-the-top streaming services. We will be right back. We are back. <laughs> Bill Harvey, Ray LaMaitre. <laughs> of course, you didn't hear what happened during the break. That's why he's laughing and I'm not. Um, so, uh, third topic today for this podcast, we're talking about um, the over-the-top streaming world and competitors against pay TV. And, um, you know, just last week, we've, um, we were, everyone was discussing Apple TV Plus and what was going to happen there and whether that was a good idea and whether Netflix stands a chance and all of that stuff. Now, um, on April 11th, Disney's having an investor event. They're very close to launching the Disney Plus video streaming service. Um, in Jeff Baumgartner's story this week, uh, he said that analyst uh, Michael Nathanson has forecasted this new service is going to pull in 24 million subscribers by the end of 2022. So an upstart service getting you know, projected to have amazing traction because of the Disney brand. Mm -hmm. um, yep. At the same time, we've got, uh, you know, T-Mobile in some public comments. Uh, their CEO, John Legere, was warning the cable industry that he is coming after the cable monopoly on video and uh, his, uh, you know, T-Mobile's uh, pay TV service or streaming service, um, you know, is, is, is coming soon and is going to be a disruptor in the industry. I think they're waiting for the Sprint merger to close or or whatever <laughs> um, for, for that to really take shape. But, um, uh, you know, whether it's T-Mobile, Disney Plus, Apple, uh, you know, competing in this arena, there's just every time it looks like people are done launching new video subscription services, Three or four more options show up, and consumers, I think, have uh, more to choose from. Uh, what do you What do you think is all? What's all going on here? Well, it's it's all it's going to become even more bamboozling, isn't it? Because, like, if you've got an Apple device on the T-Mobile yeah. network, right, uh, and you have children who are Disney mad. <laughs> That's three bills right there. <laughs> and, and, and but as the bill payer, yeah, um, that the series that you really like are, are on Netflix. Right. Good luck. Or worse, <laughs> HBO. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's you know, like you say, everybody. It's 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 a land grab now. But for 
for the consumer, it is a minefield, an absolute minefield. Of course, somebody will step in and say, we can be the aggregator, but you can't. No. Um, Everybody wants to own the consumer all the way yeah, through. That's absolutely. what sort of Netflix has taught us is the most valuable thing. They, they were, I guess, the leading example of a company getting on everyone's platform, you know, with and, and delivering the, pretty much the same experience on whatever device you connect with. Yeah. And I do wonder, ultimately, if, you know, Netflix at the moment has done really well because it's focused pretty much on one thing, and it's focused on the underlying infrastructure to enable quality of service, right. and it's invested in the content, so it's guaranteed content of what it believes to be a good enough or a certain quality. So it's very much focused on that, but for how long can a company be that specialist? And you've got to wonder, you know, you look at what some other, and this is not related specifically to the over-the-top video services, but I think it's relevant. You look at the companies like Orange, for example, that are, are, are breaking into financial services and essentially becoming a bank, I think in the hope that in four or five years they will say, well, come to us. You can get all these services. You can get your communications. You can do all your banking as well. And if you do the banking, we'll actually give you some of those services for free. Um, Lock them in. And what is Netflix doesn't have that uh, at the moment it has a, a lot of what it does, but it doesn't have adjacencies. It doesn't have a portfolio. It doesn't have a package. Yeah, that's um, either going to be. Uh, so it'll either get there because Amazon, of course, has got everything. Yeah. yeah. In fact, Prime Video for Amazon is just another thing they bundle into the subscription service where you're paying them to be a customer. Yeah for all kinds of other things, you know, video hosting and whatever. Um, yeah, Netflix doesn't have that. Is that going to be an advantage, though? Because I, I can see a, a, a scenario where Netflix just makes a few smart deals with a few distributors. I think that's where it, I think that's where it needs to go because Disney is, you know, uh, Disney obviously will have the five- and ten-year plan on this. Yeah. And, um, you know, it has an M&A war chest. It has the brand. Yeah. It has the cash flow. Um, and of course, it's a global brand. So, right. and and as we were just talking about there with just before about AWS and the cloud being a distributed and distributed can mean not only closer to the customer, but across the world as well. Right. Companies like Disney with a global brand will leverage that brand and leverage the global public and private cloud infrastructure to basically to to put a lot of other companies out of business. I mean, think of the worldwide take rate on, you know, Marvel movies and stuff like that. You yeah. Know, those are, those are, that's a genre, at least one genre. Frozen there. 7. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, but, I wish I hadn't said that. Yeah. Either. But that's a, that's a genre. That, well, there's a couple of genres go. that, oh, stop it. <laughs> I have to work in this. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll cut that out. Um, just cut all this out, really. Uh, but there's a, there's a couple, you know, you identify a couple of genres where um, they translate, even if even if English isn't the first language or whatever the film is in, it, it translates no matter what. The story's universal. Disney's always understood the power of that mm -hmm. and, and yeah. the power of their, you know, their characters, their brands, their content, uh, all the things under their content umbrella. Um, I'm wondering about the telcos, what their play is here. So we've got this sort of all this activity going on on top of the network, so to speak, you know, um, unless you're AT&T and you actually have a competitive dog in this fight with the DirecTV Now product, 
uh, which is their their streaming product. Um, I you know what what does the broadband provider that's sitting back and watching all this warring take place? What what, what where do they uh, plant their flag, or what do you think they should do? Well, I think as um, at, at the same time as you have the the over the top video, you have the developments in cloud based gaming, right? And um, that gaming is going to basically show to the consumer which broadband providers really do have super fast, reliable, always up delivering the kind of bandwidth you need in, in a household with multiple users of incredibly high, uh, high capacity, bandwidth hungry, cloud-based applications. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, and if you can guarantee to deliver that, you can charge a premium because people will not want that gaming service or that streaming video to go down. And I think and if you can do that and you can charge that premium and make a money by guaranteeing the bandwidth the applications can run over, then I think you've got a business. But how many of the operators today are in a position to be able to offer that? I would say a lot of specialist ISPs and some telcos will, the ones who've already invested and been first with the fiber in the ground and the ones who are going, ah, oh, yeah, we've held off on fiber. Maybe now we need to do something. That that something might just be a bit too late. I, it, it's yeah. It, well, it's it's also it makes such a difference too. It, going back to the whole Netflix discussion about how they are network experts and they are really experts at making sure they deliver the best possible stream on whatever bandwidth. I have fiber to the home at my house, and Netflix does actually look way better on a fiber connection, even if you're just watching the regular HD stream. It's it's remarkably clear. It sounds perfect. You know, they they definitely adjust, you know, what they're sending over the network based right. on the connection. They have a sophisticated CDN. Yeah. And I, I wonder if telcos can make that, you know, can can reverse engineer that marketing and sort of say, you know, here's here's what a good quality broadband, you know, uh, connection will do and we're the ones who deliver it. Yeah. Can, can they convince the consumer? That is the smart move I think, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Both on the mobile device and on the, you know, the wired. And network. I think the ones that can actually deliver to that promise will do it. Yeah. And the ones who aren't <laughs> it'll be. The ones who can't, the ones who've been getting by. Yeah. yeah, the, yeah. One, the ones who've been faking it until they made it. Uh, they're not going <laughs> to make it. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, that'll about do it uh, for now. I'm getting thirsty, and we probably need to give up this conference room here at Informa where things are so bloody busy. Um, uh, if you are uh, listening to this uh, online uh, in your headphones, thanks for uh, listening. You can find this podcast in its audio form on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And if you're watching this, uh, and, and as ever, please do uh, check out lightreading.com for all of the show notes and telecom news and analysis. Thanks so much for watching and or listening, and goodbye from New York City.